0: Buddies, fellow Franco fans, fans of Uncle Jess, fans of Lena, fans of Monica swam, fans of all the Franco universe. It is I your host Jason Rudy once again coming to you from the land beyond of the sunny hills of California and in this uh, land of palm trees and sand I bring you episode 77, double seven, film 12 of Jess Franco. And that would be Attack of the Robots. It's a Spain and France uh, co-production, 1965 of that. Uh, let's see, the, yeah, we're off and running. Uh, original theatrical title in Country of Origin, Uh, Cards Face Up uh, in Spain, and it translates to Cartas Boca Arriba, um, or actually, yeah, Cartas Boca Arriba, Tito Santana used to always say, if you're a wrestling fan. Uh, Also, the French theatrical title, which I have a copy of that as well, is uh, titled Cards on the Table. Um, Yeah, so, um, go through all this, we'll go over the... Blu-ray and all that good stuff. Uh, Yeah. Cartes sur table. French theatrical. Alternative titles for this. um, Let's see. We have... James Clint. Safita Interpol. Italian theatrical, which is... uh, James Clint. Interpol challenge. Uh, Course cards on the table. German one as well. Cartine... Off the tisch uh, Denmark is a uh, card to the table or just Eddie because off of the Eddie Constantine and cards on the table as well in Belgium so yeah karten und tafel production companies on this Hesperia Films out of Madrid Spevia Films out of Paris and Cine Lance out of Paris uh, theatrical distributors CEPI C-S-A, out of Madrid. C-E-P-I-E, C-S-A, CEPISA, or something. It's all caps, so. Uh, and the other one is SNC, Société Nouvelle de Cinematographe, out of Paris. Shooting date on this. Actually, here, before we go any further, of course, we get all information from the Big Tome of Murderous Passions, The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume 1 by Stephen Thrower with Julien Granger. All right, so uh, timeline on Attack of the Robots slash cards on the table. Uh, Shooting date on this is, uh, they started October 18th and wrapped on November 30th of the year 1965. So uh, yeah, a little over a month on this, a month and 12 days. All right, yeah, month of 12 days, so that's quite a long actually for a Franco film. Uh French visa issued March 9th of 66. Quick turnaround on the editing, that's nice. Like 3 months, 4 months. Uh, France premiere March 15th of 66. West Germany is April 29th of 66. Madrid August 1st of 66. Seville January 20th, 1967. Uh, Italy, Rome, June 28th, 1967. Uh, USA TV Screening, it played in October 6th of 67. So yeah, before it played anywhere in the United States, um, same as the last film um, that we did, uh, it had the same deal with the, uh, yeah, Dr. Z, how it just turned up on the... uh, I don't know, actually, Dr. Z was uh, legit. No, it was Dr. Orloff's Monster that premiered on AIP TV. Same as this, it premiered in the USA on TV first in Texas October 6th of 67. Then finally played Belgium, uh, Antwerp, in October 24th of 1968, about a year later. All right, theatrical running time, uh, Spain, 92 minutes. France, 94 minutes. Cast on this film, um, the lead is Eddie Constantine, who plays uh, Al Peraria, which is a famous uh, Jess Franco character, that this is the second appearance of Al Peraria, um, Interpol agent. Francois Bruin plays Lady Cecilia Addington Courtney. Fernando Ray, mighty Fernando Ray, is uh, Sir Percy. Sophie Hardy plays Cynthia Lewis. Alfredo Mayo plays Chief Inspector Baxter. Marcello Aragni plays Olsen, Interpol Agent. Uh, Mara Lasso plays the blonde Portuguese robot. Uh, let me go through the cast here. Dinah Loy is a brunette robot, um, re- returning for another Franco film. Uh, Richard Basios, um, Antonio Padilla Angel Martinez returns again as Alan Maxwell this time U.S. Consul and um, Lemmy Constantine Little Agent X3 and uncredited Antonio Pica and Jess Franco as Bourbon's club pianist Alphaville trailer narrator credits uh, director Jess Franco um, original story by Jess Franco adaptation and dialogue by Jean-Claude Carrey Director of Photography, Antonio Magasoli. Uh, Let's see who else we want to bring up here. Um, Of course, let's see who does the music. Would it be Daniel White once again? Uh, As I scan. Um, hmm. Director of Continuity, still. It's quite a big cast on this. Um, Interesting. Dresses, seamstress, hairstylist, wardrobe, lab, sound recorded, sound recorded, sound mixer. Interesting. What does the music on this? Um, art direction. Okay. Music by Paul Misaraki. Huh. Interesting. So they didn't go to Daniel White on this. Um, all right. So we'll save the synopsis for the review, which will be in the second half per usual. Uh, so yeah, we're going to go to the production notes. Um, In October 1965, production was underway in Madrid on the second Carrera Franco script, Cartas Boca Arriba, released in the USA as Attack of the Robots. The story reconfigures the mind control theme of the diabolical Dr. Z for the sci-fi adventure genre. According to a news item in Variety, female co-star Sophie Hardy was involved in a near-fatal motor accident during the shooting. After which she was in a coma for 48 hours. Three weeks of treatment and observation. Three weeks of treatment and observation later, she was given the all-clear to resume filming. Ah, oh, that's why the shooting was so long. Uh, Co producer Carlos Corret of Hesperia Films told the report that the whole affair required a two week addition to the schedule. Nevertheless, Cartier's Boca Riba opened on Madrid Cinemas August 1st, 1966, a fortnight before Miss Morete. Review. Uh, a pair of villainous supercriminals turned human beings into automatons to further their dreams of world domination and the only man who could stop them is secret agent Alperaria played here by Eddie Constantine in an unofficial rerun of his famous let Me caution character. Coming as it does hot on the heels of the sublime diabolical Doctor Z, this is a major disappointment. Nothing, even not even the title seems to work. Released in Spain as Cartas Boca Arriba and in France as Cartes sur Table, in both cases meaning cards on the table or cards face up. The phrase is virtually meaningless in relation to the story. Not one comes clean. No one comes clean in the film. In fact, quite the contrary. The criminal masterminds remain ignamic ignamic throughout. Apart from the vague suggestion of a showdown, the title seems to have little connection to events. No wonder that the American distributor AIP ran with the brazenly misleading moniker Attack of the Robots, a valiantly crude retitling that attempts to seduce the curious with pulp sci-fi promises but we are not really dealing with robots. These are simply brainwashed people who, for reasons that are never explained, turn dark skin when under mesmeric influence, then revert to their original pigmentation when they die. They're controlled by means of a device implanted in the spectacles they wear, a visual motif that could have been milked for menace and surreality, but which is pretty much thrown away thanks to a humdrum directorial style that seems only fitfully alive to the visual possibilities because the attackers in the film lack menace one must turn to the good guys for sustenance which brings us to eddie constantine he makes his first appearance playing roulette with a sexy brunette at his side and if you think that sounds very much like james bond well you're right Constantine's persona is that of the laconic secret agent with a girl on every port and a taste for the finer things, a man whose crime-fighting is slotted at convenient intervals while living it up in glamorous international locations but the riches, rictus of irony with which Constantine mugs through the action soon grows tiresome and you long for the character to meet his match instead of strolling so casually through the various threats and contrivances. He never seems to be in any real danger, and the game we're watching has no teeth, and we're left wondering why we should care if the character fails or succeeds. Wow. Attack of the Robots has moments of frivolous panache, but mostly there's a sort of clumsiness, as if the production is trying to catch a butterfly in an iron fist. It's rudimentary as a comic strip adventure, and lacks the witty scripts that could have kept things afloat. Instead, we have a combination of hectic action and plotting longerists, which drawn out dialogue scenes that suck energy out of the story. The humor is surprisingly broad, based around slapstick and farcical situations. Uh, da, 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 da. I'm just going to skip over some of this. Every now and then, a scene achieves the sublime silliness required. Um, the principal villains are neither interesting nor credible, despite being played by two very capable actors, uh, Francois Brion and Fernando Rey. Brion at least gets to slap unprotesting robots in the face Generally, camping it up as a frosty, man hating bitch, but Fernando Rey is wasted given a desperately underwritten role as Brian's lover comes sidekick, Sir Percy. It seems odd to cast a man feted for his work with Bunnell and then fail to give him anything significant to do, but that's attack of the robots all over. Too many cast members are left dangling, thrown in the mix with little design or purpose. Antonio Jimenez, as compared, to, for instance, plays a general who sends Agent Alperia into the field as bait for the killers, but never gets a satisfying confrontation scene with the man he's manipulating. Likewise, the villains set up on... <clears throat> Sorry. Likewise, the villains act on behalf of a shadowy world organization called the Upper Circle, but their leader is neither a sinister immigrant Greece nor a featured character. <clears throat> Just an ordinary... Middle aged actor seen in a fleeting long shot. The film needs a good rant from Brian O'Reilly putting some flesh on the bones of their crazy schemes. Such a scene might have prevented the climax from fizzling so grievously. Um, Franco had been crossing the Spanish border to watch French films since his late teens and was by now very well aware of the French new wave, a movement whose genre quotational habits perhaps offered an endorsement of his own magpie nature and emboldened him to work a more parodic style. On the basic parody. Uh on the fifth of may nineteen sixty five, a month or so before the diabolical Doctor Z went before the camera, the New Wave's leading light, Jean-Luc godard released a quasi-pulp sci-fi. Crime story called Alphaville, featuring Eddie Constantine as Lemmy Caution and Howard Vernon as a sinister science. Um, Goddard employed the to- topography of sci fi, film noir, and detective fiction with knowing irony, drawing these ready made style templates into new forms. It's surely no accident that Franco's films soon. After began to flirt more directly with this same tenace- tendency. Um, nevertheless, it's worth pointing out that Franco's feature debut, Timos 18 anos, in his periodic musical Vampiros 1930 had already highlighted genre cliches in a stylized, self conscious way. Franco was an eye, ironist with a sardonic eye for genre tropes, but he lacked the commitment to verbal anarchy that would sustain an out-and-out comedy. He's too sophisticated for a slapstick alone. Instead, he hunkers or hankers for the witty repartee of classic Hollywood or the urbane banter of the British spy story. Yet, for some reason, perhaps the haste with which the project was written attacked the robot scenes, unable to sustain the necessary level of invention— um, seen in the French version the film has moments of charm but there's distinctly something missing I suspect the problem is that we saw Franco cannot really rouse himself for his male heroes as passionate as his females with the result in the stylistic equivalent of a Gaelic shrug seems imprinted in the film's DNA uh, Gaelic uh, cast and crew playing Franco's second Alperaria after Conrado San Martin in Death Whistles the Blues Eddie Constantine is the big hitter in the cast, at least from a French point of view. A major movie star in France in the 1950s, he never really struck a chord in the UK. To my eyes, he comes across like Roger Moore's uncle with a bit of Bob Hope thrown in and bears an unfortunate resemblance to On the bus's star Reg, Reg Varney. British reference, I guess. Uh, Constantine's young son, named Lemmy, after his father's most successful screen character, has a small role in the film as a boy secret agent and turns up again in uh, the next film, Residence of Spies. Um, The glamorous and energetic Sophie Hardy, who does her best with the underwritten role of ingenue spy Cynthia Lewis, went from spicing up screens with Eddie Constantine to roaming London with Sid James in... Three hats for Lisa. The actress with oscillated between movies and topless modeling had previously starred alongside Constantine in Jeff Gordon's Secret Agent. She once complained producers see nothing but sex appeal useless to tell them that I am also a good actress. Our decorator and set decorator Carlos Veduis here began an association with Franco lasting five films including Succubus and the two Red Lips films. Assistant Director Pierre Leray had recently been Louis Bonnell's assistant on Diary of a Chambermaid and went on to fulfill the same role on Bonnell's Belle de Jour, Tristina and the Milky Way. Music Paul Miseraki was fresh from Godard's Alphaville when he scored this film, but the film seems temporarily dry as he trots out a selection of mundane jazzed-influenced cuts. This was filmed in uh, Estudios Balistros in Madrid. Uh, locations, the Pinon de Elicia, a huge tooth of limestone rising 332 meters above the shoreline near Calepe, is in the province of Alicante, features for the first time in Franco cinema. Alright, being the base for the villainous Siles operation, it could be been seen looming in the skyline in countless Franco films in the 1970s and 80s. Yeah, one off, off my head that I can always remember is um, The Other Side of the Mirror. You, that, that island there in Alicante features prominently in that. And yeah, so many Franco films. You see that big, huge like rock island sitting in the middle of the ocean, or off the ocean, that's that's the place. So, very cool. Yeah, that's the uh, Pinon de El Fache. A huge tooth of limestone that's uh, near Calabi in the province of Alicante. So, yeah definitely, so yeah, that's cool, that's the first movie that you see that giant cool area alright, connections uh, Attack of the Robots sees Franco using motifs from the contemporary fantastical wing of the spy genre hard-boiled detective stories, film noir and last but not least, Franco Francis' popular Lemi Caution thrillers based on a series of books by crime writer Peter Chenet the Lemmy Caution films beginning with Le Moni Vertigris, 1953, features Eddie Constantine as a spy who, to quote James Travers, was the absolute personification, at least in the eyes of a Frenchman or woman at the time, of an American hard man, losing charm, sex appeal, and machismo in every sinew of his being, one who spoke French fluently, albeit with a slight American accent. Mind Control continues to preoccupy Franco, having already featured in Dr. Orloff's Monster and the Diabolical Dr. Z. One particular dialogue. Pietra used to be one of the very best. He's the one who caught Paul Vogel, remember? Points the way forward to Franco's exorbitantly sleazy Exorcism, 1974, in which the director himself plays Paul Vogel, a defrocked priest and murderous sexual maniac. Villainous Chinese criminals would pop up again in Franco's Fu Manchu films and sundry 1980s low-budgeters like La Sombra de Juco Contra el Dr. Wong, 1982, Embusquia de Dragon Dorado, 1983, and Esclavus de Crimin, 1986. How many James Bond films have you seen recently? asks Pararia to an Interpol operative showing him deadly Devices concealed inside the usual array of domestic objects. Nice. Alright, I'm wrapping up this part here. <clears throat> Other versions. The American Export Edition is currently available only in a monstrously ugly transfer on the gray market. Atrociously panned and scanned and struck from a fusty old print. It's a little wonder Attack the Robots had garnered few fans over the years. Fortunately, a gloriously clear and well-framed DVD edition has recently surfaced in France, adding not only a wealth of visual detail, um, but also a handful of extra scenes and shots. Firstly, when Alperaria, as he's referred to in the French edition, is seduced and knocked unconscious by a living statue, he's transported by Chinese thugs to an opium den via canal boat, a brief but picturesque journey missing from the American version. The English language dubbing, dubbing roboticizes the hypnotized drones. In the French version, they are referred to as Monsignor Number One, Monsignor Number Two, and so on. The American version, they are Robot Number One, etc. Uh, when Pereira attends a nightclub, the first onstage number he sees in the French edition is omitted from the English language cut. Features Cynthia wearing a chiffon scarf and skin-tight body stocking, cavorting to a Latin jazz number. Later, when Cynthia tries to gain entrance to Alperia's hotel bedroom or bathroom, he claiming she's in desperate need of a bath to help her sleep. The English language version snips out an amusing insult. Pereria, who has a dead body stashed in the bathroom, offers to lend Cynthia a novel by French avant-garde novelist Marguerite Duras, which he assumes, which he assures her will send her to sleep in seconds. The scene also loses a quip in which Pararia likens the proliferating corpses in his hotel room to a waxworks exhibition. Finally, the French cut includes almost a minute of Cynthia topless, but with her breasts out of frame, taking a bath. After the removal of a corpse from the bathtub, also snipped from the scene, is Pereira in the adjoining room, discovering that the hypno-spectacles he took from the victim have been stolen, a detail which suggests Cynthia may be in league with the villains. Problematica, the IMDb currently adds the following unconfirmed cast members: Manuel Vidal. Alright, so yeah, um, so uh, the version I got is the Redemption Blu-ray, which is, um, I guess, the Italian with English dubbing and that. So uh, yeah, that must have came out after this book was written. um, And then I also have a uh, DVD um, of cards on the table that I got, um, which might be the same version, I'm not sure. I haven't yet to watch that. I'm going to watch that those after I record this portion here. So, um, yeah, I think I might just knock this out myself. Do do a quick uh, watch and review and uh, to put that in the data banks and library to uh, keep the flow going on episodes. So um, yeah, uh, so cool. Yeah, this is um, once again episode seventy-seven, film twelve, Attack of the Robots. Uh, As we get our way on to episode 100, I'm just going to say we have a donation button on the front. If you care to donate one time, any times, whatever, I will gladly appreciate it. I'm a starving artist and just uh, doing this for the love of Franco. So if you want to throw in, I'd be appreciative. Uh, Also, too, if you like the shows, please download the episodes. Always appreciate that. And subscribe uh, so they'll always be in your inbox uh, when you wake up on Wednesday mornings as these drop every Wednesday morning. So uh, also rate and share. Please give us a good review if possible. Uh, and sunny and share, like I used to say. Uh, also to tell a friend. Uh, tell them about the show. Uh, and also to, I'm always looking for people that want to come on and do guest reviews. Uh, you kind of If you listen to the shows, you can kind of see where we're at. Uh, we're going to go up to about, uh, about Bloody Judge. And then uh, we're going to jump over after that, back to where we were. Um, Which would be like, uh, I think, um, let's see, go to like um, uh, Cocktail Special. So yeah, like Film 86. So we're going to do that. That'll be um, Episode 86 will be where we jump back into the current timeline. Episode 86, Film 86. So yeah, so we're going to go up to uh, Eugenie and all that before that. So That'll be the transition back over, and we'll be back online again. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, um, if you want to get a hold of us, you can at FrancoObserver at Yahoo.com. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, and uh, add us, all that good stuff. I add paintings and pictures and updates and all that stuff. So, check out the pages um, and uh, all that good stuff. So, Alrighty, we'll hang out through the little bumper music and I'll be back on the other side to review and tell you what I thought of, um, Attack of the Robots cards on the table. Let's see if these, uh, robots are good robots or if they're bad robots. So, nib nibbit, nib nibbit, 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 buck. Episode seventy seven Attack of the Robots Review Coming down in three, two, one. Hey, 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 buddies. All right, welcome once again to the Franco Observer Podcast. Thanks for hanging out through the bumper music. Uh, I had just literally got done watching uh, Cards on the Table, a.k.a. Attack of the Robots, like, uh, maybe five minutes ago. You know what? Uh, I know in the book Murderous Passions, the Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume 1, by Mr. Stephen Thor with Julien Granger, that, uh, you know, he didn't really put it over that much, and uh, he didn't really care for it, but... Uh, you know, once again, if I go in with a little bit lowered expectations and kind of read his kind of down on it a little bit first, I always end up liking it a lot better than I thought I would. And this film is another case of that. Uh, you know, it's actually a fun, fucking cool little movie. Um, before I read his uh, synopsis on it uh, and I go through all my stuff, I just want to say, yeah, it's, it's very fun. It's like a little... Uh, kind of a fun little spy movie, you know, uh, real lighthearted, um, a lot of in-jokes. Eddie Constantine's really good in this. Um, he's a really good actor. I haven't really seen too much of him before. Um, I have AlphaVille, AlphaVille, and I've always kind of... I mean, I saw it once, or no, actually I saw it twice mm-hmm. on like VHS years ago. Of course, saying VHS, that would automatically mean years ago. So like, I'm talking like probably... In the 1990s, I watched it, so uh, yeah, I got it on Blu-ray, so I gotta pull it out now and check it out and watch it. Um, but yeah, he's really good in this. He's uh, got a good sense of humor. He's a good leading man. Uh, he's got a great face, and uh, being uh, I kind of fit his age range and everything because in this film he says he's in his late 40s, or he says he's 40 something, which I am, and he says he's about five foot ten and 174 pounds, and that's right about where I am, so. That was funny. I'm actually about 178. So, um, But yeah, it was, it's funny. I was digging that. I'm like, hey, it's about me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's really, really good in this. So, All right. Uh, let me read the synopsis for this, and uh, I'll tell you uh, all the other stuff about it. All right. Synopsis. Um, brainwashed robot-like men and women with strange darkened skin. Yeah, that's the thing, too. They're all like in blackface in this, which is really bizarre. And oh yeah, before I go any further, too, it's an interesting concept, and it actually made me have an interesting idea. Like, this couldn't really be filmed nowadays. Well, it could, but with a different pro, uh, text and everything and a statement of it. But um, it's interesting where these people that commit the crimes are identified as black, but then when they're killed and their glasses are taken off, their skin turned to white. So it would be interesting if they did a movie like that where a mad scientist kidnaps these certain white people and uh, turns them into the robots with black skin. And then the blacks get um, um, accused of the crime when it's really the white people that did it. So they were falsely framed. So I thought, hey, that's an interesting idea. That might be a, a good movie. So, all right, back to this. Uh, From the beginning, brainwashed robot-like men and women with strange darkened skin and identical black framed spectacles are committing assassinations around the world. When captured, they refuse to give up their secrets and often die, reverting to Caucasian skin color as they do so. One-time secret agent Al Peraria is forcibly persuaded out of retirement by his former employer's Interpol to investigate a spate of disappearances involving people with the rare rhesus zero blood type. A recent kidnapped victim, the musician Yves Barrel, had been spotted in Alicante. So, Bararia is sent there as bait for the kidnappers. Before the brainwashers can get a hold of him, he's abducted by the servants of Lee Wee. Chinese crime syndicate boss who is trying to trace the organization behind the robot killings in order to obtain their technology. Very foreshadowing. Uh, it transpires that the mind control technique only works on people with race zero blood, hence the disappearances being investigated by Peraria. The mastermind of this cunning plan is the villainous Lady Cecilia Addington courtney who, along with spitten sidekick Sir Percy, runs the robot scheme on behalf of the Upper Circle, a shadowy worldwide crime organization. Peraria meets and grows friendly with an English female agent, Cynthia Lewis, but can she be trusted? And who is the fat, aggressive man who keeps trying to punch him whenever they meet? Pereira is attacked by the hypnotized Yves Barel, who has just murdered Olsen, another Interpol agent on the case. Pereira kills Barel with a harpoon gun. Suspecting that the glasses worn by the assassin hold some kind of secret, Pereira puts them on, only to find himself mesmerically compelled to return to the villain's base. In prison, there he is spotted by Cynthia, who is also being held. She removes the glasses, thus freeing Peraria from the hypnotic influence. Confronting Lady Cecilia, Peraria seduces her and pre- pretends that he's willing to change sides. Knowing that Sir Percy is watching, the enraged Percy, believing he's being cuckold, tries to shoot his love rival, but the bullet hits Cecilia. In the ensuing confusion. Sent the Emperoria make their escape while the secret base blows up around them. And doesn't say there. And then they get captured by the Chinese syndicate, taken upon a boat, and learn about more things and escape from there. And it all ends up in a big laugh with big splashes and everybody smiling and having a good time while a boat burns and people die. <laughs> So Yeah, no, it's interesting, you know, Jess Franco was kinda of ahead of his time because uh this was uh nineteen sixty five and he's I mean his spoofs were done then and, and uh all the in jokes and stuff, but you know it's those became a lot popular later on. Um and yeah, and with the Chinese trying to steal the technology and um having this like uh kind of the uh the interpool being uh having a guy on the inside that works for the upper circle or, you know, which is like the, uh, the, uh, Illuminati type deal. And so, yeah, it's kind of interesting. He actually ties in a lot of, uh, plot devices that were used a lot later on. So that was kind of cool. Once again, he, uh, was on the cusp of that. So, but, uh, yeah, no, this is a, a fun film. Um, like I said in the beginning of the, uh, of uh, this review, um, it moves along really good. Pacing's good. Uh, you see Alicante for the first time, which I talk about in the beginning of. From Stephen Thrower talks about, and it's really beautiful. There's sequences where they first go into Alicante and they're driving through it, and you see everything uh, that you see. You know, about ten years later and stuff through many more Jess Franco films, but you see it here for the first time. The big giant cliff rock up on the hill, and the fishing village below, and. And all the cool buildings and such so uh you see that from like you know um, she killed the ecstasy and and uh the other side of the mirror and just tons of films but yeah it's it's really great to see it here in black and white shoots it really beautifully speaking of black and white too this is shot in black and white really great cinematography there's some really beautiful out outdoor shots daytime and nighttime at night with this fog and light coming through the the fences and great grave like um it's like a graveyard, like, a, like a, the, the town shot through the area. It's really, really nice. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's some great stuff. So, all right, I'm going to go through my notes here, what I saw opening this. Um a good opening sequence where they kind of establish what's going on with the robots and uh, the woman Josephine watching them. Um, and then uh, right away... Um, Actually, I won't go through the numbers yet. Um, so you see there, um, there's cool, there's a lot of early computers in here for 1965. There's like these giant computers that are made by General Motors or uh, General Electric. No, I think it was General Motors. General Motors or General Electric. And it was called Bull. And it's like a size of like a like a giant entertainment center or something, you know. And uh, it's these like push buttons, almost like a cash register. And then push buttons on like a five-button uh, system. And yeah, it was pretty cool to see that early computers like that set up and they have that where they would program all the, uh, automatons. And once again, it's something just Franco did a lot in this film and he did it a lot later. Um, in many later films is the concept of, um, high concept and low value, low dollar. Um, although, you know, the, the mad scientist sets in this are really good and he would kill to have the budget to have these later on. But, uh, the Sir Percy's lab where he could turn his people into the automatons is very like a Universal Films um, Black Cat or uh, Bright Frankenstein or something like that. It's very cool with the, the giant tubes, people being chained up and lowered down into these giant uh, glass uh, cylinders and uh, a lot of cool math scientist equipment different uh volts and and uh lab equipment with dials and all the different uh consoles and such so uh very cool looking um universal influence on um all that so that was very cool um what else did I like oh yeah I liked the outdoor casino uh there's a scene where uh they're on these little boats and you see um Eddie Constantine um uh, Alperio for the first time he's gambling and it's like this kind of like Monte Carlo type uh kind of river boat or this uh, casino out by the uh, um, kind of uh, canal side this little canal area and uh, yes it's it's pretty cool Um, then you see he's captured he's taken into like by the Chinese uh, syndicate he's like this opium den and it's like the second time you see an opium den in Jess Franco film Uh, a couple films back you've seen the opium den um, and uh, you see it here again so it's interesting to see that for 1965 um, yeah, the guy, Lee Wee, was funny. The guy that plays the head of the Chinese syndicate. Uh, of course, they do a lot of uh, fake, you know, language stuff when they're talking to each other. Because, and there's no subtitles because it's just fake language that they're doing, noises and dumb things like that. Um, let's see, what else did I like? Uh, there's really, like I said, beautiful shots of Alicante. Um, oh, yeah, so jo- uh, Josephine is cool. So you see her, and she's wearing a, a, a white vinyl uh, dress and um although the robot women are wearing the black vinyl dress so um and i'll go into the vinyl later with one of the fetishes but yeah so you see her with the opposite of the automaton so like she's in a white vinyl outfit which is pretty cool like a white vinyl zip up shirt and like these pants um and you see her with the whip and i'll that'll go on to the other list but um let's see what else you have um a lot of cool, uh, I'll, I'll, actually I'll, I'll add to the list. Um, what else do we have? Uh, da, 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 a lot of stuff I keep writing down because it's all this stuff that I'm going to get to here in a minute. But, um, there's a lot of cool clubs in this actually. There's like the bourbon club and there's, uh, one other club in the beginning. Um, and, uh, later on there's a cool scene where he's fighting some of the automatons in a, uh, boathouse scene and that's like the third time it's the same boathouse I believe that was used in I think Death Whistles the Blues and uh, Operation Red Lips for the fight scenes and that and uh, you see that really cool and he shoots with the harpoon which is like the James Bond deal also to his alias his last name is Frobe and uh, Gert Frobe is uh, Gold Goldfinger so I don't know if that has something to do with it or not but yeah they use that last name for that actor on that um, what else did I like? Um, yeah, The cheap effects. I talked about that, you know, the applied stuff, like with the computers and the glasses. and Yeah, so Franco uses a lot of... Um, I kind of went around that. But yeah, he uses a lot of high concept, low value. So you basically imply a lot of things like these glasses have a bunch of computers inside of them, but you don't show the computers. You just establish that when you put the glasses on, the robots move, and you take them off, they die. So... That saves a lot of money of having to show all this computer stuff. Um, You see all this dials and stuff. They turn. You put some sound effects over it, and then it's mind control. So, yeah, it's a lot of cool, cheap effects, but they really make sense, and you don't need to spend a lot of money on stuff like that. And I thought that was a really cool uh, lesson. I always try to find a really cool filmmaking lesson with the Jess Franco films, and this is one that definitely shows that through on that. Um, What else we have? Um, So, yeah, so that was good on that. Um, So now I'm going to go through and hit what I found on uh, the list, the Jess Franco checklist of items. If you listen to every episode or if this is your first one, we always have a list, a checklist, almost like a bingo card or whatever, of a uh, recipe items list of things that are in almost every Jess Franco film, uh, establishing themes um, and items that you'll see over and over again and these and you start putting them together and it's almost like if, if you're watching these a just franco film and these aren't in it then it's not a just franco film all right uh number one of course is body of water yes body of water is quite a bit in this Of course alicante uh the fishing village with the giant cliff rock uh you have the little uh areas the canals out in front of the um casino i talked about a little bit earlier you have um a couple little uh, areas in this um, for water areas, so definitely water waters quite a bit. Um, number two and three, sailboat and boats. Yeah, there's actually quite a bit of boats in this. There's um, uh, there's motor boats, there's cruise ships, there's uh, paddle boats, there's um, uh, sailboats. So yeah, qu- quite a few boats in this film because it's with Alicante and that's the uh, seaside town. So yeah, definitely uh, nautical based. Uh, Number four, palm trees. Yes, many palm trees in Alicante, you see them lining the streets and out in front of his hotel that he stays in. Uh, Number five, jungle sound effects, jungle animals such as. Yes, there's a lion sound effect where he's escaping and uh, the beginning of the Chinese uh, syndicate scene, and uh, there's a panel that opens, and he acts like he's going to fall down, and you hear a lion roar inside there. We don't see it, of course, but you just hear the sound effect, and he jumps over it and escapes. Uh, number six chained up person yes we don't see it but it does happen after a while um there's a woman prisoner that's chained up and turned into the automaton and she literally has chains on her wrist and or uh, shackles on her on her wrist and chained and uh, lowered down into the glass tube to, to turn into the uh automath, they call it but it's like a automaton uh okay number seven dance scenes on stage stripping Not really stripping, but dancing suggestively. Yes, uh, a few in this one. You have a lady with a body stocking on stage. Uh, It was a really cool stage, too. You have these two musicians. um, You see Jess Franco later on as a piano player um, in the background for this scene. But, yeah, there's like leaves on the stage and these two guys. One guy playing bongo and the other guy playing a stand-up bass, I believe. And uh, all these cool these leaves on the ground, and she's just like rolling around and, and getting down with the leaves uh, with her body stocking. And then you have another scene later on at the Bourbon Club, where you have uh, let's see, there was a second one. Um, uh, yeah, where's the second one? Oh yeah, the Bourbon Club. Uh, you have the the dancer. Uh, it was cool. It was like a on the Bourbon Club. There's like this circle stage and the woman's like laying on the stage and she's like just rolling around suggestively. And, uh, you see, uh, uh, Alperia sitting at the bar drinking, watching it. So he's every scene you see him always hanging out at these uh, strip clubs when he's in Spain. So it's pretty cool. Um, pretty funny. Um, but yeah, it's a really cool place that the whole, that whole sequence, that whole club is really, really cool. Uh, I liked it a lot. Um, All right, so number eight, club scenes, dancing. We have a lot of people dancing in the beginning, uh, party sequence in the opening scene where uh, one of the automatons kills uh, one of the politicians, I believe it was, somebody at the party. So you see all these people having an elegant dance party, um, and then they get killed in that. So that's really the only club scene with that situation uh, compared to the stripping on stage type deal. Uh, Number nine, jazz music. Yes, uh, no Daniel White, but I forgot the other composer on this total jazz all the way through, uh, like cool different styles of jazz, some bossa novas, some, um, upbeat jazz, 60 stuff. So yeah, very, very, very cool stuff. I, I dug it. I thought of it good with the film and, uh, better than I had heard it was. So, I uh, number 10 and 11 excessive zooms out of focus shots. Nope. This is still early in Franco's career film. Number 12, he's high and tight and very controlled with his shots on this. Very nice stuff. Number 12, mirror shots. There's a few, but there's one that's really important. There's like a two-way mirror between uh, Alperius room and the other woman that he's been hanging out with. Unbeknownst to him, later on he discovers it, that she has a panel between the two rooms that she could see him, but he can't see her. So there's a, a, a two-way mirror there. So there's a important mirror shot. Uh, number 12, 13, mind control theme. Of course, that's what this whole film is about, is mind control. So, yeah, definitely... Uh, people that are kidnapped and turned into robots against their will. Uh, And also, too, before I go to the next number, um, he always brings up fear or desire is always a question we ask on this film. So is this a film of fear or a film of desire? I would say desire because it's the desire to rule the world through uh, controlling these people and committing these crimes, killing politicians and all that. Um, and there's really no fear. I guess fear getting caught, but everybody fears getting caught. So yeah, I'd say this one's all about desire. All right. Uh, okay, back to the list. Uh, well, that should be one on the list too. Actually, that's one of the uh, unnumbered items on the list, or one of the ones that I always bring up. That should be put on the list, which actually I will add to the list as we speak. Uh, okay. So number four, thirteen, we said mind control, correct? Fourteen, magic tongue scenes. Well, no Lena, so no magic tongue. Uh, fifteen red light, no idea. It's black and white film, but uh, from what I see, I would say no. But it could be, but I'd say no. Uh, sixteen sheepskin rugs, no, or masturbation with a item with the letter C, uh, no, none of the above. Uh, seventeen mad scientist, yes. There's Josephine. There's uh, Percy. Um, who's actually pretty good in this, um, although he's um, for. An Fernan- the great Fernando Ray actually plays Sir Percy, so he's a famous actor who uh, a bit part in this. He actually could be used a little better, but yeah, it's cool to have him in this film. Uh, 18, fish tank shots, negative. Uh, 19, talking parrot, negative, or talking animals of any kind. Uh, number 20, end credits, yes or no. Yes, you see the word fin, the end, uh, but no end credits of names, just fin uh twenty one handwritten notes, yes, plenty of it. actually now I think about it uh there's a lot of handwritten notes in Chinese that says uh, welcome to Alicante and uh a few that to alpereira when he's checking in at places and going to places where he's being followed, so those little handwritten notes are passed to him. Uh, number 22, Spiral Staircase Shot. Didn't really catch that in this film. I didn't look for it, but I, I didn't catch it. Didn't see any. 23, Inept Cops. Yes, because Interpol has... The head of Interpol is actually in league with the uh, Upper Circle because he snitches on Alperaria. Area. Uh, you have these Interpol agents that don't know what's going on and Chinese uh, syndicate know of the plans before he does. So, yeah, tons of inept stuff of double dealing and nobody knows what's going on. Uh, 24 belly chains. Nope, not yet. All right. 25 kinks. There's quite a few kinks in this, uh, subversive kinks. You have, like I said, the, the cuckold of, uh, Sir Percy. You have, um, of course, um, um, sex slaves. Uh, there's a scene where in the end, Josephine's in her bed and you see all the robots lined up, like about 10 of them in a room and she says they have no emotions. And she's like laying there in their bed. So she has voyeurism of them watching her make love to him or her having uh, sex with the robots. Um, so you have that. You have uh, her with the writing crop, uh, the whipping, the discipline. Uh, you have, um, what else in this? There's actually quite a few. There's um, see, whipping, voyeurism, um uh, sex slaves. There's uh, uh, one or two other. I'll, I'll get back to it. I'll think about it here in a second. Uh, Twenty-five. Um, let's see. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. On to the next one. Uh, Twenty-six. Um, great headboard. That's actually a new one. I forgot. Yes. Actually, there's some cool headboards in this. Uh, there's cool headboards in Alpraria's room. Uh, Josephine has a cool headboard in her area with the robots, uh, watching her. She has a cool headboard there. That bed's kind of like out of place. It's just there in that room. It kind of caught my attention. Uh, yeah, there's about three or four good headboards in this film. Uh, I like that. I added that to the list and kind of forgot about that. Uh, and then of course, number 27, that will be Fear Desire. So that'll be the next one. Um, so yeah, and we said that was Desire. So that is that on the attack of the robots a list for franco list all right cool cool just listen to that work in progress as you heard there all right so yeah no i i uh, got the dvd or i'm sorry i got the blu-ray actually well i i have a dvd of this too i have the dvd r of this i got um called cards on the table it's the french cut with english subtitles which is actually a shorter, but the same as this Blu-ray. So I would just recommend getting the Blu-ray from Redemption. Uh, it's also on the Kino Cult uh, app or channel on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick device. Uh, the Redemption, um, or I'm sorry, the Kino Cult. That's fine because I forgot. Yeah, Kino owns Redemption. So yeah, the, the uh, Kino Cult channel, I recommend it. It's free with ads, um, but still. A lot of good Franco stuff on there. But, yeah, so you can get that free Attack of the Robots on there. Uh, I got the Blu-ray, which has French-language soundtrack with English subs or the English-language soundtrack and the audio commentary by Tim Lucas, which I haven't listened to yet. But uh, I wanted to listen to it, but I didn't want to take a bunch of stuff he's saying for my podcast, so I didn't think that would be right. I already do that enough with the uh, Stephen Thor books every week. So, you know, I like to use my own brain and my own... Uh, observations, and then go back later and see, oh, yeah, he said that, too, he said that, too. Well, you know, I had it for my own free will, so... And yeah, free will does a good thing, you know. So, yeah. Um, All right, so... Yeah, I would recommend Attack the Robots. Uh, It's a fun film. Um, You don't have to be a Franco fan to watch it, uh, but it helps. Um, I don't think it was as bad as people had led me to believe, or I don't think it deserves the negative views that it got. Um, I think it's a fun movie, and it's a good film in the Franco canon. Uh, Film 12, um, he gets a lot of uh, slack for the way he directs men, but uh, he directs Howard Vernon, a lot of good men, and Paul Mueller and stuff. So I don't know, I don't don't really buy that. So um, Lemmy Constantine, um, I'm sorry, Eddie Constantine. Did, uh, you know, please let me caution, but yeah, Eddie Constantine, I thought was really good in this, and uh, was fun, so definitely a fun film. Um, The next film that they do is Residence for Spies, uh, and uh, I have yet to watch that one, so we'll see how that one is. I hear that's the lesser of the two, but I'm going to yet to judge until I yet to watch, so yeah, okay, well, uh, this once again was a solo review by me. And uh, I think I might maybe pick up some, uh, hopefully, some guest reviewers um, after the next episode. I um, don't think I'll get one for Residence for Spies, a.k.a. Golden Horn, but, uh, you know, I think on the next ones after this we will. So righty, well, it's getting late in my uh, house of Usher here, house of Rudy at the Desperate Visions Compound. Uh, deep and dark in the uh, swamp of uh, Desperateville. So, anyway, yeah, it's getting tired. So, all right, I'm going to climb into my coffin and uh, get a good night's sleep. For uh, this monster's tired, and uh, he has some work ahead of him. Some uh, many work days in a row. So, wanted to sneak this Franco film in and uh, keep all on track because it's always good to keep the path. So. Alright my brothers and sisters Stay on your path Be good campers And uh, Buenas noches